Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. Hola, Missoula. Mandela here. Tonight's show was recorded on a bus traveling from Santiago to Panama City. The Trail Less Traveled is dedicated to bringing you sound effects and interviews from the most remote locations around the world. So please, sit back, relax, turn up your speakers, and join me on The Trail Less Traveled, tonight in Panama. We are on location on a bus, an Unatu bus, which is traveling from Santiago to Panama City. We're traveling in Panama, and it's a pretty nice air-conditioned bus. It's very, very warm outside, very humid outside. I'm sitting next to Berta Vasquez, and I just met Berta at a restaurante. I was having some arosi frijoles, and she recommended a good place to get some patacones, some fried plantains, and I asked her if she would let me interview her on this bus ride from Santiago to Panama City. And this bus ride is going to be about four hours, so I'm really excited to hear about all your adventures. Berta was born in Santiago. Berta worked as a nurse in Panama City y in Fort Bragg, Estados Unidos. Berta, thank you so much for letting me interview on the bus. Okay, this is my pleasure. I love my country, so I can say something nice for you and for the world. Berta, my first question for you is, where did you grow up, and how was outdoor adventure a part of your childhood? I think this is a very interesting question because I love outdoors, especially because I was born in Santiago, a small town, like 15 minutes from Santiago. My mother was uh, a maid and a single mother, my grandma was the one that gave me all the love I needed as a person. And they live in a little shack outside here. Everything was outside. Still, I have an ancient tree. They say they scratch the bark of the tree and make aspirin take away the toothaches. So I figured out that when all the people came to conquer the United States and discover the aspirin, this tree is part of the family tree that gives aspirin to the world. This tree I'm talking to you gives a certain food. The fruit itself is only like a bark, and you boil that in the beans, it tastes just like meat, beef, and I love it. I remember when I used to come and visit my grandma, she used to cook that for me, especially this hot in Panama. And summertime, which is from January to March, three months, is a lot of wind, and they cook open fires. Outside, they have a small stove, handmade stove, parrilla. Supposed to be three stones with wood, and they burn, and I boil everything in there, from soup to rice, whatever it was. And my uncle, the baby of the family, he was the one that stayed with my grandma until her death. I used to come every summer vacation to visit him. And he take me trails outside, he tell me stories. He even told me a story that he saw an alien. He saw a little tiny man, naked, look weird. The way he described it, he said, was an alien or a dwarf, I don't know. By the time I was one and a half, I went to Panama City. By the time I was four, my mother married a man from Tole, Chiriqui, and he came back to stay here in Chiriqui, Tole. And mainly, we all kids were outside all the time. We didn't have too much to eat, not too much money, but we were really happy. I have a niece that lives in Washington, D.C. See, we were so healthy, we were so happy. We just eat fruits from the trees. All day long outside, 
have five brothers and four sisters. They used to go fishing in the creek, really close to the place. They were really happy. That was like a sport. Go and pick up something to eat for dinner. Usually we had only two meals. The breakfast, which was always coffee, when half milk, it was milk, and our homemade tortillas, whole corn. And the supper, when we were at school, poor communities, the government will provide a good lunch. And we were so happy because it was a different taste. We cook in the evening, usually it used to be arroz y frijoles, rice and beans, and meat that have been mostly from hunting. Deers, wild pork, faisan, I don't know, this is a special bird. Years later, I ate this faisan in a cruise, I couldn't believe it. It was happy times, really happy ones. And the favorite story for my girl, they even wrote it like two, three times, how much I could buy with a dollar bill at that time. Because I was so tiny and little, but still I was the eldest. I had to walk three miles to the town to buy the groceries. A full gallon of kerosene cost 20 cents. When I was coming back, I had to stop like every five minutes because it was so, so heavy. A can of Del Monte sardines, it cost 20 cents too. Half of five cents of matches and half of tobacco. They used to smoke tobacco at night time. A pound of sugar, 10 cents, half a pound of lard for cooking. They called medio, they were half of five cents. I remember very clearly the penny. Two small onions and the other one they give you a mixture of garlic and a mixture of black pepper and oregano. We use that for cooking. When there were sick children, we used to buy a sopalipton. My mother was a maid, one of the doctors in Panama. I said, they gave me all the vaccines I needed. I never get sick, never. And all my brothers and sisters used to be in isolation because they were sick. And the diet for them was sopalipton with saltine crackers. I was begging to get sick, they would give me some of that. They never give me that because I, was, I never was sick. I was very good at cleaning trees because I was the oldest. The pineapple plant, La Piña. Up to this day, they're still making fun of me because I was the one that cleaned the guayabas, the guavas tree. And one time I fall down, I fell in the piñas plant. I was thrown all over my body. But we still were very happy. The most fun was in the mornings. We had to go to the creek. To bay. There was a small waterfall. The water was really cold, and we need to carry water before we go to school. But after a while, we feel so happy under that waterfall in the creek. Even have shrimp and small fishes. Later on, we try to look for the creek, and all the erosion has covered it. Anyway, school was good. My mother, even she only finished third grade, she knew the importance of being educated. I was the first always in my class. Number five was the maximum note that usually I get five, but I was so shy because over there they don't encourage kids to do things. But still I was the best in my class. Up to this time, my three girls graduated from college. They asked me last year to tell this story to my grandchildren. The Hotel Panama, all the business and stuff, that was only grass in there, in trees. And since my mother was the nanny or the mother of the director of the Panama Canal, Peggy was her name. She used to take a stroller around. And I remember the hotel have windows, uh, wood open. And there was an American person, millionaire, trying to spend his last day in there because he had a stomach cancer. He eat through a hole through his tummy wall. In those times, if people were so poor, they didn't have gas or kerosene to cook in Panama. Well, people have a small fogon made out of a little metal and concrete, and they used to cook in the small sites in Panama with carbon, with charcoal. And this guy used to go around the city selling charcoal. You had to know that it was the poor or the poor. The only thing made his living was selling charcoal. But at the same time, one summer day, hot summers, he was carrying in his uh, 
carretilla, this is more carriage, homemade carriage, a big watermelon. This guy, the charcoal man, we call el carbonero, the one that sells carbon. El carbonero, he feels thirsty and he opened the big a watermelon in front of the window where the millionaire was resting. The millionaire said, I will give all my fortune if I could enjoy a piece of that watermelon the poor guy was enjoying. That's the value of your health. No matter how much money you have, how much things you own, what it really counts is you being healthy, being simple. I really congratulate you going back to the beginning, to simple life. I wish you can stay longer. I will give you my place. My little uh, place is 25 acres, 25 minutes from Santiago, and you can stay there just outside. I stay in there just by myself, just listen to the birds, the noises of the night. I feel like I'm in another world. It's really cool for me. My sisters used to say I'm crazy. I'm crazy. I feel in connection with nature. That made me feel happy. Quizás regreso a Panamá para quiero visitar usted. ¿Cómo no? Le puedo dar mi información. Quizás le doy el teléfono para que lo registre en mi teléfono inteligente. I can give you my telephone. I have more questions for you, but maybe let's play a song. Traditional música de Panamá. Well, when I was growing up, the typical folk music was the one that used to be. But I used to love this song. Panamá, la patria mía, suelo grato encantador. Hoy te canto más Panamá con alegría al mirarte así grandiosa. We are on location on a bus heading from Santiago to Panama City. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled. This podcast is brought to you by Karuna Clothing. Karuna Clothing is handcrafted from natural fabrics, which soften as they age. Currently with design workshops in Missoula, Montana, and Mendocino County, California. All of their clothing is sewn and dyed in the United States. Karuna clothing is sewn with love and laughter and designed simply with the use of the best fabrics. They create their own unique colors, creating small batch product lines, which are simply beautiful. Karuna clothing is the first thing I toss into my suitcase when recording on location for the trail less traveled. You can find out more by visiting karunaclothing.com. That's K-A-R-U-N-A clothing.com. And now back to the trail less traveled with Mandela. Está usted escuchando la ruta menos caminada o menos transitada. La aventura en las afueras, en los caminos abiertos, con Mandela en el camino. 103.3 FM. Su fuente de información para esta aventura e inspiración es los domingos a las 6 p.m. y los martes a las 10 p.m. Felicitaciones, Mandela, por este programa. Necesitamos más de este en el mundo. We're sitting on a bus, which is traveling from Santiago to Panama City. It's a very nice air-conditioned bus that's very, very hot and humid outside. I met a wonderful woman named Berta Vasquez in a restaurante in the terminal for the autobus. We are eating the rice and frijoles and patacones. Berta agreed to do an interview with me, and luckily we found ourselves on the same bus going to Panama City. Berta, I'd like to talk to you about what it was like in Panama in the early days, and maybe how it has changed to now. How did people get around? How was it different for what people were eating and how they were getting their food versus going to a tienda, a marquedo, or going and hunting for food and going fishing? So what was it like in Panama in the earlier days? Talking about Panama City? Total. 
too. I went to to the city to have my study with my aunt, which lived in the part of the old Panama. Her husband was a sergeant in the Policia Nacional, and I went to live over there. It was a wood structure. It was two streets down from his work. Chivas, we called Chivas, was small bus, see like 12 persons. They were making out wood, and they moved around. I used to live in 22 seconds to the nursing school in Hospital Santo Tomas. There was not too many cars. At the very beginning, when I arrived to Panama City, people were still using carriage with uh, horses. I used to walk 18 Street to my sixth grade. I graduated from Panama City. My cousin, we were really close, and she went to a seamstress school. That was a big title. Sintres Costurera. We used to go walking, and not far from there, when they demolished the Mercado Público, the public market, and I love those places. Wherever I go around the world, the first place I want to visit is the public market. Green, fresh fruits and vegetables. For me, that was something enchanted. See those big watermelons, cantaloupes, foreign fruits that I didn't know the name. At the same time, they sell live chicken, they call gallinas de patio, free-range chicken. I used to sell them alive, and they have one area, they say fish and shrimp. My aunt helped put me through nursing school with a business. She used to give lunch to 20 policemen, and I used to go over there and buy the stuff. I remember a pan of shrimp, fresh shrimp cost 50 cents. I used to buy five pounds of shrimp. I can hardly walk back with all that stuff, but I feel happy because I was bringing all fresh food for her to cook. The moving around was mainly walking. When they had to go to the hospital, it was like 10 minutes riding those small chivas. And there's a joke about this. You know what chiva is in most of the countries? is the female of the goat. And when I was in nursing school second year, there was two girls from El Salvador, I think there were two girls. We wanna go downtown to buy things and see things. And the girls from Panama told the girls, hurry up, the Shiva is coming. And the girls turned around and said, let me go, let me go. Why you need to go? The Shiva is coming. The transportation is right here. No, I need to wear pants. I cannot get in a goat with, with, with this skirt. She thought that was the animal. We called that the little transportation Chivas. We're talking about Mercado Público, and I would like to have you talk to us about what you think is the magic about a public market, an outside public market, where you've got chickens running around and fresh fruit that was maybe picked that day and maybe fish that was caught that morning. And I'm pausing for a moment because the bus stopped and more people are getting on. It's very, very green outside. We just crossed a river a few moments ago. The bus is very full. Well, I'd like to talk to you about the magic of an outside public market versus an inside tienda, se como supercarne. I still have the smell, nice, sweet smell of fruits, fresh. There are no brews. I think the flavor was different. I've been 60 years since I had the experience, and 72 right now. I was 13 when that happened. Wild fruit that come from Darien, there's some fruits I didn't know that even they exist. But still, I was always eager to try them. They were still like mamey, breadfruit. They almost extinguished now. I tried to plant that. I can't find, even plant, can't find a tree to plant in my place. Honestly, I think since I'm a nurse, and I think even we didn't eat too much in those times, people were healthier than now. They were slimmer. I hear about some kind of diseases now. When I was growing up, there was none of them. I think it has something to do with the diet, the fruits. They didn't eat too much vegetables, but a lot of fruits. Mainly we eat fruits, and our main vegetable was just Boston lettuce, carrots, onions, and cabbage. No other vegetable. I repeat again, I think people were healthier. And they didn't eat too much either, not those large amounts. My grandma is my hero because my grandma, when all his brothers and sisters didn't send her kids to school because they thought that was a waste of time. 
my grandma, even she was widow at 19 with four kids. She sent all her kids to school, except the eldest one that used to help outside in agriculture. She planned with my uncle Antonio rice, bean, corn, all kind of stuff. I think the capacity of work I inherited from her. God bless you, wherever she is. She used to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we live in Algarro. It was like 45 minutes walk to Santiago, barefoot, because there were no shoes. And she used to come with a big bowl of dough for made tortillas. People used to look for the Juliana dough for tortillas. She used to bring that and a whole bunch of dry wood for cooking. And with that money, she used to go back and take all the grocery for the week. 20 cents a pound of meat with bones. So she made soup and she made stew. We didn't know what, how old she was when she died, but I think it was close or past 200. One time I asked how come she would live that much. See, this is work. You need to work, work, work. That will give you a long time. So I don't know what happened with these people. <laughs> Lazy, don't want to work. <laughs> and she was really slim all her life. As a matter of fact, my granddaughter, the daughter of my oldest girl, name is Juliana, honoring her. Because I tell all the stories to her. They think that she was a brave woman. She was a special person. And whenever she has a chance, she will share whatever she has with people around her. We're on a bus traveling from Santiago to Panama City, and we're speaking with Berta. Berta, we keep on talking about happiness, that you don't need a lot of money, that it really comes to being healthy and happy. And your grandmother used to walk barefoot 45 minutes to go into Santiago, where she would buy food, rice, frutas, meat, firewood, and then she would walk barefoot 45 minutes back. When she came back from the supermarket and leave food ready for all her kids that used to go to school, she used to go to do her agriculture tasks, to plant rice, bean, corn. Her work day was like 18 hours work day because she used to call late in the evening. I remember that she liked to smoke tobacco. She rolled the tobacco, and she said, only smoke three times a day, after the first coffee, after lunch, and before going to bed. And by 7 o'clock, she was in bed, because she needed to get up again in the morning to start the routine. And that way, I think she lived so long, because she lived a simple life with no excess, because the most thing you can get from walking barefoot is parasites. I don't think she even get that. And... I remember at 17, I was already in nursing school. And really to never retire, if just keep on moving, keep on walking. Sounds like she walked every day and ate well and surrounded herself with the people she loved. And she lived to be over 100. And people still remembering here because there is a place called Las Barreras. Las Barreras is a place they call where they do patronales. They ride the horses and ride bulls, bullfights and stuff. Anyway, the funny thing about this is that they call my grandma, Juliana, la de la barrera, o sea, the one that lives in la barrera. But for some reason, people thought that what her last name was Barrera. So all my brother's and sister's second name is Barrera. And when they tried to investigate, her name was no Barrera, Racero. That was another nickname. One of the founders of the La Barrera was Juliana, my grandma. Berta, we are talking about old Panama back in the day, what it was like. Now let's talk about what it's like now in Panama. How has it changed? We could also talk about what it was like when the Panama Canal. As a child, the husband and my mother live in El Chorrillo. They make those housing projects close to the canal so the workers will have a place to live was all wooden. I remember those wood street with common toilets and stuff. There was a lot to eat. At the beginning, I remember there was like a special treat going to the commissary to buy the groceries from the American. We love that spam, leche clean, pork and beans, and the wheat. 
for us, we feel like rich buying those stuff. And I remember like four years going into the commissary in Balboa and my mother used to sit me in the middle of the store and go to buy the groceries. That didn't last too long because they moved to Toledo, which was a really, really poor town. There was not too much left in there. We really have had nothing. But anyway, in those uh, small congregations, building, we live all that kind of people. They were good and bad people. People share what they have. I remember that you only have one pound of beans to cook, and you knew that your neighbor didn't have anything. They would cut it in half and give it to your neighbor because she needs a kid to feed. Berta, let's talk about what Panama is like now. What are you Panamanians passionate about? And also, how has it changed? You said back in the day, most people walked. In Panama City, they used a carriage, sometimes a chiba, the small bus. Well, how has Panama changed? For me, I can tell you, it's sad because people are in such a hurry that I couldn't believe if people are happy at all. Because when people didn't have too much, they share whatever they have. Now, slowly things start changing a lot. But that thing, in a way, hasn't changed too much because Panamanian, medium Panamanian, like to gambling too much. Lottery, horse racing, and now it's worse because the casinos. I heard horror story about all people retire without make too much money, and they leave all the payment one day in one of those casinos, and they never win, and that's sad. I don't know about the fact that even the grandchildren sometimes come and take away their money, so that's a shame, but that's the truth. I cannot lie about that. I live in a small neighborhood. We still get together, get along. We share whatever we have. I have a special soup today. I share with my neighbor in front of me and her people live in Cerro Punta when they bring a lot of fresh vegetables. She give me a big share of everything, cabbage, carrots, celery, stuff, and things like that. Overall, everything is in a rush. And I hear a lot of people dying young of heart attacks. People don't stop and overweight. People eating too much fast food. If you eat patacone once in a while, it's okay. But you cannot be eating patacone three times a day, every day. We are on location speaking with Berta Vasquez. We are on a bus. The bus is cruising from Santiago to Panama City. It's a hot day outside. It's about the middle of the day. The bus is very nice and air-conditioned in the inside. The bus driver was kind enough to turn the music down low. I don't even think I hear it right now, but usually it's pretty loud. It's cumbia music. Speaking of music, Berta, let's play a song. What song would you like to play? I just know little pieces, but are very Panamanian one. And this is about Santiago. I don't know where it came from. I guess I learned it when I was small. They call la cumbia santiagueña. Si tú me quisieras, yo te llevaría para mi Santiago de la tierra mía. Si tú me quisieras, yo te llevaría para mi Santiago de la tierra mía. Cumbia, 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 cumbia santiagueña. Cumbia, cumbia, cumbia de la tierra mía. Si tú me quisieras, yo te llevaría para mi Santiago de la tierra mía. Chorrera, no chorrera, no me voy contigo pa' chorrera. Chorrera, no de mi vida me voy contigo donde tú quieras. Chorrerano, chorrerano, me voy contigo pa' chorrera. Chorrerano de mi vida, me voy contigo donde tú quieras. Si acaso te encuentras una pega, pega, no te acerques mucho porque se te pega. No te acerques mucho. A la pega, pega, no te acerques mucho, porque se te pega. Si tú me quisieras, yo te llevaría para mi Santiago, 
de la tierra mía. Cumbia, 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 cumbia santiagueña. Cumbia, cumbia, cumbia de la tierra mía. Cumbia, 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 cumbia santiagueña. Cumbia, cumbia, cumbia de la tierra mía. Cumbia, cumbia, cumbia de la tierra mía. We return to the trail less traveled. Thank you for joining me. Today, the trail less traveled has taken us to Panama. Right now, we are in route. We're literally on a trail less traveled. We're on a bus, which is traveling from Santiago to Panama City. And I met a wonderful woman named Berta Vasquez. Before I got on the bus, we were eating lunch together and we sat at the same table and she got on the same bus as I and she agreed to let me interview her. So, Berta, what do you see when you look out the window right now? Creo que ahora mismo estamos en Aguadulce. Aguadulce es un pueblo como a una hora de Santiago y a dos de la ciudad. Eh, árboles, soleado, completamente soleado. It's very sunny. I guess very hot too outside. And I think since all the holidays pass by, there's not too much traffic in route. It's kind of quiet, not too much cars running back and forward. Especially in this time of the year, the marañón, our fruit, the fruit that produce the cashews, they are the ones that we have in this time of the year, which are really good, the marañón, the fruit for sortro, and the cashew, you know, all the benefits of the cashews. Green trees is still because dry weather having here only two weeks, but by middle of March, it's gonna be really dry and dusty. So you, you come to this place, be prepared with the big hat, light clothing and sandals, because especially people get not used to this hot, dehydrate very easy, drink a lot of water good water the weather this time of year sometimes go over 100 that's delicate that's if you don't take care of that so right now in Panama it is the middle of summer we just finished up the rainy season and I was on an island about 20 miles off the coast of Panama and it was still raining quite a lot when we were on the island but I think the rain is over now and then winter starts in April but for some reason the weather is playing funny because last year it really didn't start raining full or heavy until July. I think something is happening in the atmosphere because big changes. When I was a child, it was solid nine months of rainy, heavy rain. And the three months of dry season was hot, hot, hot. And people start preparing their soil for the agriculture in April. They start plotting, cleaning and stuff. They start planting in May. By August, we have fresh corn, rice, and all that good stuff. So I remember that the weather is not the same. I can't tell you because I've lived 72 years in this country, and I can't tell the difference. The dry season is starting now, and the winter officially starts in April. But I would like for you to maybe share with us what winter is like in Panama. Because in Montana, there is a lot of snow, and water freezes, and it's very, very cold right now. But what is winter like in Panama? In Panama, it's really wet. Even you're in the country or you're in the city. And the funny thing is, sometimes that happens most people in Panama, because not everybody has a, a dryer for the laundry, and they can line outside the clothing. And it's, I'm talking about a winter, rainy season. It's full sun outside. Oh, I'm going to hang my clothing outside and start hanging. In an hour, you don't know from where it comes a big, big shower with all the clothing. So people now I try to put it under on the roof to dry the clothing. A lot of people are having dryers now, but most, most of them. Winter is still rainy season. We have a lot of sunshine in the winter. 
So it maybe is raining, but it's also the sun is shining at the same time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like that. It's, it's sunny and dry, and all of a sudden it shower with all the rage come over and wet everything. And the street, it, it, that's a mystery because we have problem here with the water that the city at the level of the ocean, we have flooding very frequently. Just one shower, big shower. Does it ever snow in Panama anywhere? No, I never have seen snow, but uh, once in a while you heard the kind of hail, even damage the cars and stuff. Berta, I'd like to ask you about the different places around the country of Panama. I'd like to ask you about the Darien Gap, and I think a lot of the locals call it El Tapón. And this is an area between Panama and Colombia where there is no roads. It's not roaded. It's mountainous, thick jungle and swampland. And perhaps drug smuggling that happens from Colombia over to Panama. And if you want to go to Colombia, you either have to fly or take a boat because there's no road that will go. And one of the longest roads in the world is the Pan-American Highway that would go from Alaska all the way to Argentina, Chile, pero no hay in Darien. They call it Virgen. It's still really wild in there. The people from there build the houses high because the ocean usually the ties with their houses underneath. And there's two big rivers, a huge river that you can sail in them. Moving from one town to the other is through boats, dangerous boats. I don't know, I think they're really experts in this because I don't think they use lifesavers or anything, but they're really good at that. And they only wear very little clothing. Ladies only wear some skirt, and the men, taparrabos, there's a little piece of clothes around their waist, and that's it. And you can see them really healthy. They eat a lot of plantain, yuca, yame. They grow wild in there. I've never been there. But I think in the cities, in the small, like Yavisa and the capital, they have problem with the, they're contaminating. That's awful, they contaminate the ocean because they do all their biological necessities in the ocean. And I think that's no good. But I don't know, there's another way. The government has to try to do things for those people, but they have the way of living and they like to live like that. So I don't know there's a way to solve the problem. And I still strongly believe the only way those people can come a long way is through education. They feel like eating regular yuca, ñame, starch, they are healthy. And I think maybe that's part of the problem. They don't feel motivated to study really study hard and uh, bring their province to another level because they have a lot of natural resources. Another thing that happened over there, and there's in the news every day about the chopping down all the big, big old trees. I don't know who can take care of that. There's laws, there's government office, but um, they keep on doing it. I think that's part of the problem of the global warming because they are destroying our woods. People has not developed the conscious about taking care of the planet, cutting woods, contaminating the rivers. There is so many trees, species that have disappeared. Because I remember my husband used to like fruit of the pan. It's like a big squash growing in a tree. And they said it was rich in protein. I tried to get me a couple of those trees and I can't find them anymore. So the new generation will never know these trees. Maybe I'm last generation and know those trees. So I don't know if anybody can do anything about global warming, preserving trees. And we do have in the canal area some foreign tree that was the place called Somi Garden. There was an international Somi present and their present for our government, each one bring one a tree from their country. If you have a chance, please go over there. (laughs) 
We are traveling on a bus from Santiago to Panama City. I'm speaking with Berta Vasquez. And Berta, your daughters live in Estados Unidos. And I'm wondering, what do you think is the main differences you notice when you travel from Panama to go and visit your family in the United States? Well, the main difference is it's different culture. People in Panama still get together with neighbors, talk to each other. Sometimes over there you don't know your next door neighbor and stuff. But tell you one thing, my daughter, the one that lives in Pensacola, I think she has taken with her her good Panamanian blood traditions. And last year she surprised me because even her neighbor had an operation. She went on to make chicken soup and bring it to her neighbor because she was sick. And now she asked for her recipe, the vegetable soup with chicken. Most Americans don't take that. I think this part, our Latin culture tries to help each other. Berta, you're 72 years old and you've traveled a lot and you are continuing to travel. You're going to go to Colombia soon. What advice do you have for someone who wants to travel but is held back by fear? If you are held back by fear, you never ever will do anything. Because the first time I traveled was to Puerto Rico. I was 22. It was with one of my friends. She said we want to take a nursing license from Puerto Rico so we could work in the United States. We really made money in the United States by good nursing work. And I was scared. Telling you I was scared, but I didn't stop me from going there to look for another places. And I took my license. I stayed over there almost two years. I did well. Even the board exam was in English. I studied that book back and forward, and I passed the test the first time. It's in that time, being in San Juan, Puerto Rico, I took a cruise. My eyes coming from my humble beginnings, i telling you, bare food, taking shower in small creek, eating tortillas with coffee for breakfast, seeing another world look like a thick curtain slip over and open my eyes that the world is wider and the creation is even bigger. So I thank the Lord for that. Berta, thank you so much. Muchísimas gracias, usted, for talking with me on this bus ride and for having lunch with my partner and I. I thank you. I hope I give the information you were looking for. And I hope not only to help you with your program, but also help you help my country, help the world to expect the best. No matter what, I think people deep down are good. So we need to keep on working in the good part of the people. Most people say everything is messed up. I think it's always, always something good you can make. Thank you to you. Berta, let's end this program with three outdoor adventure tips. Your advice on life. First than all, you need to know where you're going. What's the status of the weather? It's hot, it's cold and try to dress accordingly. I never ever travel in sandals, cars and buses or airplanes, because I hear so many people have an accident, I had to walk barefoot. I'm scared to death of that. That's the first thing, you need to be dressed accordingly to the weather. Don't forget your water, I always carry snack, a small, small snack, a little salty, some crackers, some sweet, a bowl of water, you're off, because you never know, sometimes there's no mosquito that you can find in those bed bugs that don't allow you to sleep. It happened to me, I carry a small bottle with me. If I had those bugs in the beds, I rub it all over so I can sleep. And the third thing I will say is know your surroundings. You know, try to know where, where you are, what's happening around you. Because that's safe. People are good at heart, but you never know what's going on. These people come from here and there. Maybe they have a lot of money and things like that, you know. And of course, don't be showing too much jewelry, too much money. Just be careful. That's what you need to know. But do not allow fear to stop you doing your adventures.
and congratulations on your program. I love that. I don't know how you pick me up among all the people to talk about these things, which I love a lot. I love the outdoors. I love people. I love living. In the beginning of the program, we spoke about back in the day, living in Panama in the 50s and 60s, and when you were keeping things simple. The simple life, not being necessarily so rich, but eating good food, getting exercise, not slowing down, not retiring, and just keeping things simple. So what can we learn about the simple life of Panama back in the day? I think simplicity has something to do with your whole body. Because when you get things complicated, it's like your wires inside your body mess up. That's why you get sick. Because if you have a routine, a healthy routine, you get up a certain time, you eat certain kind of food, you love family life. Family is still, I think, the core of the humankind. Love each other, being nice. If you keep brotherhood, sisterhood alive, sooner or later it pay off. It takes a village to raise a child, and I strongly believe in that. Berta, what song would you like to end the program with? This is a song that was sung all over the world with a national poet called Ricardo Almarán. Creo que Almarán es el, el apellido del autor. And I think this song was have been sung all over the world in different language. When I was in fourth grade, I remember my music teacher, she said she heard a couple of Japanese girls singing this song in Japanese and was the sweetest thing in the world. I hope I can at least touch some of the song in certain way that the message gets across. The name of the song is Historia de un Amor. That's a love story. Ricardo Almarán, creo que era el nombre del autor. Ya no estás más a mi lado, corazón. En el alma solo tengo soledad. Y si Dios me hizo quererte para hacerme sufrir más. Siempre fuiste la razón de mi existir. Adorarte para mí fue religión. Y si ya no puedo verte porque Dios me hizo quererte para hacerme sufrir más. Es la historia de un amor como no habrá otro igual que me hizo comprender todo el bien, todo el mal que le dio luz a mi vida apagándola después. Ay, qué noche tan oscura, todo se me ha de volver. Ya no estás más a mi lado, corazón, en el alma solo tengo soledad. Y si ya no puedo verte, porque Dios me hizo quererte, para hacerme sufrir más. Es la historia de un amor como no habrá otro igual que me hizo comprender todo el bien, todo el mal que le dio luz a mi vida apagándola después. Ay, qué noche tan oscura todo se me ha de volver. Es la historia de un amor. Gracias, thank you. I hope I get the message through. Thank you very much. Hola, Missoula. Mandela here. You have been listening to The Trail Less Traveled, the community's source for adventure information and inspiration. I would like to thank my guest for this week, Berta Vasquez. Berta grew up in Panama City and works as a nurse. Berta travels the world, enjoys the outdoors, and the sounds of the birds in the evening near her home in rural Panama. I met Berta in a restaurante at the bus station in Santiago, and I interviewed her during our four-hour bus ride to Panama City. Find The Trail Less Traveled on Facebook or visit traillesstraveled.net. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled. My goal for the show is to take you, the listener, back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. 
Every week, I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you can start adventuring in the same fashion. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded in Missoula or on location around the world in order to find these adventurers and talk to them in their natural habitat. My adventure tip this week is to consider following the dress code in order to enter banks and governmental institutions, as well as many stores and supermercados in Panama. If you enter these establishments with inappropriate dress, security may refuse access and ask you to leave. This continues to evolve, but it's good to note that most Panamanians dress up when going into town to go shopping or to run errands. That's it for this week, Missoula. But until next week's adventure in Panama, get outside and shred the gnar. Because the thing about the gnar is, it doesn't shred itself. <laughs>